Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor-in-chief for Imperial Esports, and welcome to another edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. It is our North America Week 2 preview pod, our Guess the Lines, all that fun stuff. We are continuing with the format that we introduced on Wednesday, where we actually go over uh, three teams that we felt stood out to us in some way, look over what they did in the past week, and then move on to how we think they're going to do this week before we go through all of our lines at the very end. Uh, and hopefully you guys will enjoy that. We'd love some feedback on it. But before we get to any of that, I got to introduce my good friend uh, and a writer at Slingshot Esports, Walter Ciedis Fedchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, I'm excited for week two of the LCS. More excited than I am after watching day one of the European LCS. Yeah, we just came from watching those games, and it has been an interesting experiment. I would say that it reminds me in a lot of ways of some of the North American games we saw last week. Just a lot of longer games, a little messier compared to some of the crispness we saw from Europe in week one. But from that mess, we find three interesting teams, I think, that stood out to both of us as teams that really needed to be talked about. And the first one of those is Counter Logic Gaming. Now, Walter, we aren't really crowd favorites amongst the CLG fans. A lot of them thought we were underrating them during our power rankings earlier in the year. So, Walter, I got to ask you, after one week, do you feel like we underestimated CLG? No. I think every single point that we made about CLG in our preseason rankings is absolutely valid. And I kept them at the exact same spot, number six in my power rankings for this week over on Slingshot Esports. Uh, but in all honesty, like it, nothing, nothing changed. Nothing changed in my perception of them. They're 100% reliant on this super split push. Darshan you know, pulls two enemy, enemies to his side, or he just won't, won't 1v1s people. They're just way too reliant on this one style. And you saw it in game one against TSM where they were able to exploit it and... and TSM made a bunch of mistakes that allowed Darshan to be so far ahead and just push his jacks and push his advantage and was able to bully around Haunter's Mundo. But in game two, Dignitas had such an amazing game plan that they just went at him constantly. They were constantly, you know, trying to push him out of lane. There was constantly someone backing up Smitty J or in the early game. And when it got to the point that Smitty J was strong enough to duel against Darshan, CLG kept wasting who he's teleport to teleport into the lane with Smitty J and, and Darshan. They would kill Smitty J or chase him off or force his flash or whatever. And, every, and you know, oh, Dar, you know, Darshan and who he, you know, stopped the split push. And then Dignitas would do something on the other side of the map. Just, they are so ingrained. They went from so ingrained in this double lift centric mindset to this Darshan centric mindset that they haven't changed anything as an organization other than who they're prioritizing. And that feels weird to say when you look at Sticks A with an 8 1 11 scoreline against TSM. But you really have to understand how CLG got to that point. Uh, when you have Darshan being able to split push the way that he does, that means more towers are going down, which means that the enemy has less vision and it's easier for you to move your line of wards up. This means that guys like Stixay and Aframu, who don't necessarily have the best game sense as far as knowing where the enemy team is and knowing when to you know, extend and when to bounce back, they don't have to run into that issue because... Everything has been warded very meticulously as more and more of the map has opened up to them. Uh, Xsmithy, 
knew exactly where to go because there was one lane he needed to keep, get going, and it's the Jacks lane because it's always the Jacks lane because it's literally the only thing that Jacks can do. Now, you know, people will say like, "Well, that's not a bad thing." They played the strategy out really well against TSM, and they did. And you know, in a meta in which Darshan can do that game after game, awesome. I you know that's gonna work out pretty well for them. But the the reason that we've never seen CLG as this high-tier team is because of what happens when they play Dignitas and when they don't have the ability to get Darshan going. When Dignitas spends so much energy keeping him down, you know, starting from the lane swap that put Smitty J ahead, just keeping that pressure going. For, he's watching Shifter's Ari just manhandle Huhi. I mean, let's let's go there, Walter. Like, what do we think about Huhi after this week? I again, I, it's the exact same spot that I was uh, coming into this. That Huhi has a he's a worse version of Poe Belter. That's probably the best way to put it. He is a he's a worse version of Poe Belter, and it really begs the question: Why would you replace Poe Belter, who in essence is the same style of player as Huhi? And what I mean by that is they both have very wide champion pools. They both can play every single style. They're jack of all trades and masters of none. So why would you replace a player who is already ingrained in your system? You were already really used to playing in that position. Who already had a repertoire with Xmithy. Who already had a repertoire with Aphromu and Darshan. And why would you replace him for a worse version of himself? Mm-hmm. And and it's very possible that you know they they did some scrims or whatever, and who he was outperforming Paul Belter in the off season. But this is not—he's not a very good player. He might still be LCS level, but he's just not a good player on the whole, and he has not adapted to the professional scene very well. Well, I will say this uh, from a laning perspective: he looked atrocious. He's awful in lane. And honestly, you know, that's going to happen against Bjergsen, fine. But when you have a sub-five-minute flash forced out of you by Shifter, there's a problem. And it's not a small problem. And, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring up the point about Poe Belter being this jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And I think what's been interesting about watching Poe Belter develop, and we're seeing it now with him on Immortals a little bit, if we're to go on a quick tangent, you know, he's kind of figured out who he wants to be. He's very good at a utility style champion pool he'll play the lulu he'll play you know things with zone control like victor and he does pretty well on those things force him to go outside of that nowadays and he kind of looks like who he does on everything nowadays but who he strikes me as this guy who just hasn't found what his role on this team is going to be and in the meantime is trying all of these different hats without any of them fitting particularly well and that's a problem. Now, is it going to be a problem in the long run? I don't know. CLG has done a pretty good job of developing talent as a whole. Uh, I think Darshan looks as good now as he ever has, and I want to give CLG some credit for that. But at the same time, it's rough right now to see a guy who has a deep champion pool but hasn't really proven on any individual level to be where CLG is going to need him to be. But I, I have a bigger concern, Walter, and that's the Stixay Aframu bot lane. You know, people looked at Aframu as being the guy who was going to, you know, keep the veteran presence going, keep the mindset that got CLG where they were in the long run last split. And Aframu went zero six and three against Dignitas, and it was not a not a pretty zero six and three. Just constantly getting caught out 
trying to ward by himself. I mean, when you look at this bot lane, are you are you concerned in the long run for the for the future of this bot lane? So so they both have problems with getting caught out, and even in 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 game one, Stixay and Aphromoo got caught out a few times by TSM, but because of the quick reaction of the rest of their team, they were able to turn these disadvantages into advantageous team fights just because TSM was just didn't have a great composition. Mm-hmm. But Dignitas as a whole just had really, really good vision control the entire game. The thing was that they had similar ward numbers to Dignitas, but it was the positions that they were placing these wards, and it was that the majority of the wards that Dignitas were placing were pink wards. Uh, across the board, they placed like four or five more pink wards, and in some of these, they were lasting for you know the majority of the game. So they really controlled vision and really forced CLG to put their wards in easily easily defensible locations, or were forcing them back into their jungle, and they had to ward their own jungle and couldn't get out to ward barons to do anything like that. And we'll talk about it when we get to Dignitas about Baron, but. There was never any chance for CLG to, to sneak a Baron, to go contest a Baron, anything like that, just because of how far behind uh, Dignitas forced them into. Y- right. You have to look at like their damage numbers across the board. You are not going to win a game of League of Legends when you have two of your, your, your two out of your three primary carries and only one of them breaks 10,000 damage to champions. Yeah. When the other team has two of their three carries break 15,000. That's a lot of damage output, and you're not a very tanky team outside of the Braum so when you ha- and, and the Poppy. So when you have really squishy champions like Lissandra and Lucian and Jax, and you're wasting your teleports to go stop a 1v1 situation from happening and waste your ult on that, and then you have a team fight a minute later where you have none of your cooldowns, like who he kept doing, you're screwed. Yeah. And and it, you know again, look at the number of wards placed. You know, congratulations, Aphromoo, you kept up. Unfortunately, you died on like four of those wards, and I guarantee you the utility he got on them was not worth the deaths that kind of came his way. And as you said, Stixa, you know, also having that issue of pushing too far, especially when solo pushing, just trying to clear some waves, he would push way too far without vision. And even the casters are saying like, this is the problem with Stixa; is he doesn't quite get this yet. It but that was, come that was Doublelift's problem, too. <laughs> yeah, but Doublelift had an extra level of mechanics that Stixay just doesn't at this point. Like, Doublelift, at the very least, when he makes mistakes, he sometimes... It's kind of like watching Soaz do one of his grand escapes in the top lane. Like, you know he shouldn't have been caught out, and he really shouldn't get away with it, but he's good enough where sometimes he can. Stixay's not that good. He's good. He's a solid player, but he's not that level of good. Um... But that leads us to where they go this week. And for me, I'm I'm very interested to see how their two opponents match up because they've got Liquid on day one, a Liquid team that had some issues but obviously has a lot of talent as well, especially in the bot lane. And you've got Cloud9 on day two. So, Walter, of those two matchups, which are you most concerned for for CLG? I'm concerned with the, the Cloud9 matchup. Well, I'm concerned with both matchups, if you want to be, be brutally honest with you. Uh, Smitty J never should have been able to beat Darshan. Right. Like, that, that, that never should have, like, ever happened. If you're ranking top laners, like, 
Smitty J should not be the one beating Darshan. If you say, oh, you know, Haunters did it. Oh, Impact did it. Oh, Hooney did it. Smitty J is, like, on the bottom, <laughs> just above the two, like, the Fang and KFO of people that you would expect to do this to Darshan. And even though Cloud9 and, and TL have balls in Lorlo, who, again, are not really on that list of people that I'd be super confident going 1v1 against Darshan, they have really excellent coaching and analyst staffs that can look at what Dignitas did, can play with their own aggressive junglers that they have in Dardock and in, in Rush, and do similar things to pressure Darshan, to keep doing this rotational play, to try and get CLG to mess up their, their wave bounces when they're doing the side lane pushing. You do all these kinds of things and you the, the top lane is very snowbally right now in the ty- types of champions that you play, where if you get one, maybe even a second kill, you can really control that lane and really bully around your opponent. And that's what Smitty J was able to do against Darshan. He was able to eventually get a level lead. He got that. He got the first blood that was on, on Stixay around three minutes into the game. And once he did that, they kind of just gradually snowballed it into the point where you're at the you know 20, 25 minute mark where Jax is trying to split push and trying to do something to help his team. And Fiora can just can duel against him and, and force Huhi to try and come and teleport in. So CLG's coaching staff during the week needed to teach Huhi that sometimes you just got to give up that kill. You don't have to go in. You don't have to do that. We're giving up too much on the other end when you waste a teleport to go help Darshan. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that is their call. Maybe, maybe Darshan is making that call and the other three are not doing their job to keep the opposing team off of the objectives. But... I, I think Liquid and Cloud9 are in good places where they can go after Darshan and, and once again try and make Hui and Stixe beat them. I have to say, the one thing I'm really worried about is if CLG keeps going to this Jax pick. Because the thing about Jax is he's really good at one thing, which is split pushing towers and being his own solo threat. And if CLG is at the point where they have such little faith in the four other guys on their team that they have to put Darshan on that kind of hard carry split push, we have an issue. Um, you know, there are plenty of top laners, you know, a Fiora, a Tom Kench. You know, some of these were picked and banned against him at, at different times, but, you know, there are so many top laners that can do really good things for the team. Heck, Poppy, I think, is a much better top laner than she is as a jungler, um, but they didn't feel confident doing that because Darshan has to be the hard carry at all times. And if you're going to play that way, not only is that exploitable, but it's not conducive to getting the rest of these guys where they need to be. You can get away with it against a team like TSM who just looked disoriented and didn't really know how to be in the right place at the right time. But against smarter teams, they're going to be able to adjust. And once they realize that your Jax isn't bringing anything else to the party, well, send your your other top laner to neutralize that. And you've got a 4v4 that's looking really nice. And that's something that I want to see if CLG can find that second way to win before I'm willing to get too hyped about them. It, it's been just under six months since CLG picked a more utility-style or tank-style top laner. The last time they played a utility or tank-style top laner, so I'm including under-split-pushing kind of threats, Fizz, Kennen, Olaf... Uh, Fiora, Echo, Riven, you know, these very lane-dominant 1v1-style champions. Right. Uh, You're going back to 4th of July weekend in 2015, where that weekend he played two Rumble games against Gravity and Team Impulse. Yeah, that's a concern. Almost six months since they've had to play, since they played him on something other than 
a like split push kind of champion. Maybe if you want to argue that Cannon isn't really split push and is team fight oriented, that's July nineteenth against Cloud Nine. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a. I mean, look, CLG fans, you've you've got your one way to win. It is a very good way when it works, but I think even CLG fans would have to look at the way that Aframu and Sixa played in game two, uh, the way that who he played throughout the week, the way that X Smithy never really felt like the kind of threat you would want him to be, especially in game two. And you got to be saying to yourselves, like, when's the next guy going to step up? When's someone other than Darshan going to wow us in game with some kind of incredible moment? And again, you know, Stixay's stats in game one were good. If you put him in a situation where he can succeed, then I think he'll do enough to take advantage of it. I'm just concerned in the long run, whether, you know, on a, in a tank utility way. Darshan can do enough to get who he and Stixay and everyone else where they need to be. But we're going to move on to the other side of that that game too, the Dignitas side of things. You know, we talked about Smitty J earlier as a guy that shouldn't beat Darshan. I think Dignitas knows it because they've benched him for <laughs> Billy Boss. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which, first of all, how often do we see a top laner benched after going five two five in a win? Like, is 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 this unprecedented? I I think so. I have no idea. I, he didn't play amazing in like game one, but he wasn't the reason they lost game one either. That I mean, was, you know, double Baron steal from Victor Lasers. Yeah, but. so so let's let's start with this Smitty J point because it's it's a roster move and that automatically makes it one of the more interesting things to examine. What is it about Smitty J that you think Dignitas saw and said, "No, we've got to make this change." Do you think it's is is it more just that Billy Boss offers that much more? Or do you think that Smitty J played his way out of the spot? I, I think it's that it's early on in the season and they're trying to uh, they're trying to figure out what they want to do exactly. I do think that there was was some like validity to the you know oh broken shard is just bringing over his EU friends blah blah blah. And I think they're trying to see you know if bringing Billy Boss in is a better move. This will probably be some sort of timeshare. Where they're gonna kind of go back and forth and and you know try and try both it, you know because if Billy Boss doesn't work game one and they lose and you know it's a pretty crushing loss I could see them putting Smitty J back in, oh, uh, so I I would expect to see them kind of juggle the position and and see what sticks what's better it could be a matchup thing maybe this week they just don't think that Smitty J style works and Billy Boss is a safer play I I'm not really sure because I'm not the coach it it's a little confusing to me though I will say that. Well, could you just really quickly, for people who might not have seen Billy Boss play in any of these Challenger Series things, could you just talk about what it is that he does bring to the table really quick? I, he's a very strong carry top laner. I'll give him that much. In, in kind of the end of the Challenger Series, when we were on these sort of juggernaut patches, he did play juggernauts very well. Probably <laughs> a little bit better than Smitty J did. But I... He wasn't, he wasn't anything like earth-shattering. It's not like we found Mara and all of a sudden, you know schlepping it in solo queue or anything like that like he's he's a good challenger player and that was kind of what smitty j was a good challenger player so like i said they're probably just trying to see what sticks and see if maybe maybe one player is better than the other but i i don't think there's going to be a huge difference yeah no i think that's fair and i think that when you look at dignitas you would look at some of these other lanes as to the reason why they were able to do so well kire against clg did such a great job of pinning Darshan down, landing every cocoon 
that you could possibly want. You know, getting some of those ganks off in the mid lane where Shifter was just messing with who he pretty much the entire game. And Kiwi Kid, he can play Trundle. We have another Kiwi Kid champ. So that's kind of exciting. But, you know, the problem with Dignitas is you look at what happened in game one where they're making all of these macro mistakes with some of these Baron calls. And so, Walter, I have to ask you, which of those two games do you think is a better showing of who Dignitas really is right now? So I think, I think, I, I wouldn't say one, one game shows better because I think both games showed who they were. They're a very kill pressure kind of team, sort of like how G2 played in week one in Europe. They're all about, let's rotate, let's find some kills, let's find some picks, let's open up some space so that our laners can farm. So that they can catch up because you have two very, very weak laners in, in Apollo and, and Shifter, both of whom have deficits at 10 minutes. And even Smitty J has a deficit at 10 minutes. They're behind gold. So they're trying to extend this laning phase and extend these super long side lane farm sessions. And these pushes, they're trying to let Apollo freeze it. They're trying to let Shifter freeze it. Well, how do you deal with that when your two carries are trying to shit or Smitty are trying to, you know, freeze lanes? Okay, well, I'm going to invade. I'm going to get aggressive. I'm going to move around. One of their problems is they do not ward very well. Mm. Their warding numbers are towards the bottom when it comes to placing and clearing wards, which is not very good when you're trying to play like this heavy, like, okay, we're just going to keep moving around and rotating around. And it's mainly Kiwi Kid and, and, and Kire, who I think have, have created a, a very strong synergy between them when both of them have playmaking champions. The Trundle Pillar was, Trundle Pillars were almost like fantastic. Mm-hmm. from Kiwi Kid, and it really reminded me of it's kind of a similar thing to Annie Ultimate, but instead of stunning them, you're still trying to drop it in the middle of their team and split people up. Mm-hmm. The one thing that this does lead to is that there are actually really low kill participation numbers uh, for for Kire in particular. He knows, he's only about 60%, and their overall objectives, they're very, they get first blood, they got first blood in both of their games, but they didn't get first dragon at all, they didn't get the first tower in one of the games. They didn't get first Baron in one of the games. Obviously, that's the the, the GBM steal. Mm-hmm. The, and they're only controlling 38% of dragons and 47% of the jungle creeps, which, again, is towards the bottom of the LCS. It's just above Cloud9 and Team Impulse. Yeah. So it's they don't really focus on objective control. And what that tells me is that they're roaming and they're walking around is very, is very lackadaisical. Like, they don't know what they're supposed to be doing in-game, and that's kind of what happens when you have a younger jungler like that. So that falls down to whoever's supposed to be shot-calling needs to remind Kerry what he's supposed to be doing. Hey, let's get a ward here. Hey, let's get a ward here. Hey, I think the Wraith camp is going to be up. Let's go steal that. Let's get ready for Dragon. It's about to come up in a minute and a half. And that comes along as your team gels and has more cohesion. So maybe in a couple weeks those numbers will adjust because this is a very small sample size, Mm -hmm. but that would be kind of the one thing that I'd be worried about. Well, and I will say, I, I do want to stress more than anything else that two games does not a sample size make. Uh, it's very hard to draw any long-term conclusions. I don't want to condemn any of these things. The one stat I do think you pointed out very uh, very poignantly uh, is that vision stat, because Kiwi Kid was terrible in it last year as well. That's something that Dignitas has historically been bad at. Uh, Kiwi Kid was ninth amongst supports and words placed and words cleared in the summer season. So that's one of those things where when I hear that number, I am concerned whether that gets fixed or not because it's not Kiwi Kid's way of playing the game. 
But I, I do think it's worth pointing out that both of these games were very winnable for Dignitas. I think on a macro-level strategy, whether they understand the power of some of these other objectives. Uh, obviously, jungle camping, the counter-jungling was not great from Kire. Game 1 didn't go very well his way, but he was 3-1-11 on day 2, and certainly showed an ability to take advantage of you know the lack of vision, we'll say, from his opponent in that particular matchup. Um, I do think that they can show a a good sense of where to be on the map, where the fights need to be taking place, when those fights need to be picked. And let's face it, if they don't lose those two Barons to NRG, they're 2-0 and right now, and we're probably talking about them a lot more confidently yes. than at this point where we're looking at a team that, well, when they make good decisions, it's really nice, but uh, when they don't, it's really not. And, oh, by the way, let's just throw two numbers out there right now. Uh... 14, 3, and 17. 14, 3, 17. That is Shifter's stat line right now. After two games in the LCS. Don't think anyone would have predicted that one. I'm just going to go out on a limb. So that was not going to be predictable. Dude has an 83% kill participation. He's been a huge part of this team. This is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, not only was the Ari a bully in a way that I'm not expecting from Shifter, but, you know, that's just not usually how he plays. But the Anivia was everything you can hope for from that that play. Uh, Well... He he had a pretty great... I mean, look, the, the, you know, Baron plays aside. The, The terrible farming mechanics... Nonwithstanding, that's that's more what I'm getting at. When that's, we're joking about the fact that he can't last hit with a Nivea, that's it's eh. a concern. It's, <laughs> it's a, a it, concern. It, it's a legitimate concern. I uh, I do want to talk about their games this upcoming week. Obviously, they play Renegades Day One, and they play TSM Day Two. These both seem like winnable games to me. What do you think Dignitas has to do in order to come home with these victories? In order to beat Renegades, uh, and we'll talk about Renegades in a minute, they need to somehow shut down the three-man roaming composition that Renegades has, has really excelled with, Crumbs, Remy, and Freeze. <laughs> uh, I think their lanes match up fairly well, especially Billy Boss being a little bit more aggressive um, in the top and the mid lane, where Shifter can, yeah, he's probably going to lose and farm at 10 minutes to... Alex, but Alex hasn't shown any real desire to try and engage into duels in the mid lane, which goes into Shifter's favor. And the one problem is just Apollo. If they ever get into an actual 2v2 situation with Apollo and Kiwi Kid versus Remy and Freeze, that's really, really dangerous. And the fact that Apollo is playing so much Ezreal, I'm almost more worried for the fact that Freeze is going to just go Draven and they're going to spend that first like two minutes trying to force a 2v2. And if they Mm -hmm. see a Draven, Dignitas should literally not move out of their base until they see what lane that Draven is in and keep the Ezreal (laughs) away from it as far as possible. Or Apollo is going to have to play something that Draven doesn't work really well into and that's, you have to go aggressive. You have to kind of counter it and go Lucian, go uh, maybe even a Caitlyn, but Caitlyn doesn't seem very in the meta. Yeah, that's going to be the concern for me. I, I, I should point out, like, that Apollo six zero one I think he had in game two looks a lot better than it actually was. Like, five of those kills came in garbage time, essentially. 
when they were just yeah. wrapping up, you know, as a wrap up of team fights. He was not making plays in the way the rest of his teammates were. And that's a concern for me. I think that you're you're absolutely right to point out that Renegades and let's let's transition into Renegades. I think Renegades had a a much more active bot lane when you look at what Freeze was able to do in in both of these matchups. Uh obviously Let's start with the upside of this team. When you talk about this three-man roam and how effective they were able to be, you know what was it about this combination of, of players that was able to get these plays going and set up guys like Freeze to, to capitalize on these advantages? So all, all three of them, because I think Freeze is part of it, and Crumb said in the interview after the victory against TL... Um, that Freeze was talking a lot more, that he was being very vocal. And it was that Crumbs and, and Remy and Freeze were all grouped up. They kept rotating together. They'd go to a lane. If they could get a pick, they'd get a pick. Awesome. If not, then Crumbs would go get vision on that side. And they would push down, you know, push down the lane, do whatever they wanted to do, take the tower, whatever. And then they would rotate back into that vision that Crumbs created for them to move to the next, you know, next place. Especially in game one, they constantly were going after Phoenix with the, the Kalista and the Alistar, mm-hmm. where they just throw the Alistar in and Remy would either headbutt combo, flash, flash Q, whatever, just to try and get at him and kept Phoenix really off guard. This opened up the map for Alex each and allowed Alex to really start scaling up. In that game, they basically completely left RF to the mercy of Lorlo because Lorlo is not an amazing top laner, and they thought that RF, even though he was in a disadvantageous matchup, it was kind of safe because Lorlo is not has not proven that he can be this super impactful top laner, and we're okay with having the Mundo-Nar matchup, because basically once Mundo hits level 6 and can use his ultimate to get away from the, the, the Q harass and all the poke and just sort of heal it back up, there's not a whole lot that Nar can directly do to Mundo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, then against Energy, they tried to do the same thing, but focus less on Alex's lane, because Alex was doing okay against GBM, and tried to focus a little bit more on... on impact in the top lane in RF, but impact was just on Fiora and was able to turn around the 2v1s when crumbs would go up top. And they sort of started to separate from this like three-man Rome squad that they were doing so well in the early game of the energy game and against Team Liquid. So when it comes down to it, Renegades has found a very strong style. They need to prove that they can play something else. They need to prove that they can play something other than having double scaling solo laners and you know, making up for that fact by just constantly roaming around the map and trying to get kills and trying to get objectives with three players. They need to show that they can do something else, in my opinion. Well, and and the problem with that at the end of the day, you know, you know, because people would say, oh, but double scaling solo laners are, are in right now. That's something that we've seen a lot of different teams do. And that's true to a certain extent. But the problem you have is that they're doing it in such a way where the ganks really truly matter more than anything else because their objective rotations weren't a hundred percent of the way there if you're wondering why it took an hour for them to beat liquid it's not because liquid had some incredible defense that was you know stalwart and unending it was because they couldn't figure out how to be at the right place at the right time and every once in a while piglet would just make some incredible play it's like oh crap now we have to reset again uh they really just didn't seem to have that next step after the laning and roaming phase was established. What really worried me at the end of the day was NRG. They 
really struggled as soon as Dr. Mundo fell behind even a little bit. And I think it's funny that you use the raise, uh, you know, they realized that Gnar would not be impactful against Legendary in this game. Uh, impact certainly was impactful in this. And it really threw the whole game off kilter because it forced Alex Itch to this really weird position where they had to say, look, Legendary's down two levels right now. He literally can do nothing against this Fiora. You go deal with it. And Alex Itch, it would look fine. He'd be doing all right. Uh, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, Grand Challenge comes in. All of the burst is nullified and Rise is just dead. And it's at that kind of moment that you realize, you know, had anyone actually stopped and thought in-game, how does Rise match up against Fiora one-on-one? They never make that call. But on the other hand, what do you do at that point when Legendary is so far behind? And I guess that's where the next question has to be is with Legendary. I mean, when you're first pricking Amundo, it does seem like you're doing that because you're very afraid of what happens if you don't. What can they do with him? Is there anything, going back to the challenger scene that you can point to, that maybe could be a more, I don't know, a a more optimistic approach? Because it just, first picking Mundo is is a very bad sign to me, to be honest with you. So to me, it seems like they aren't very confident in uh, in his ability to play against the current top laners. Which is unfortunate because he he did perform decently in the challenger scene. He wasn't he wasn't amazing. He was not the best top laner in the challenger scene. You know he had multiple times where where Chris would just mess with him, and any time they really tried to put him on some sort of non utility split push champion, they had problems. Um, so he he's really excels at like utility and tanks. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it comes down to is, well, you know, they're going to pick some sort of split pusher anyway, so let's just get him the utility tank that we want him to be on. And that's Ben Mundo. And we just go from there and we try and play around that. Because Mundo can be fairly safe. If he can get to level 6, he can be fairly safe in most of these instances. But Renegade's also messed up. I think there was one team fight in bot lane that the casters point out where... Mundo teleports in, doesn't really, like, the fight doesn't really end, it's it's not very impact, like, there's not very much impact. Impact finishes another wave, teleports in, they both go back up to top lane after the fight, and Impact has, a, like, three quarters of a level lead on him. Yeah. And then he just snowballs that, because he has a Tiamat, he just instantly clears the wave, pushes into tower, and Mundo has a little bit of trouble last hitting under tower. Especially when you have your level 5, the Fiora hits level 6 and can all-in you at any moment. So they need to do a bit bit of a better job getting him his levels and not starting these team fights when there's a chance that he can... the matchup can be shifted by it. It's just, they have to plan a little bit better, and they really need to mess up their opponent's ability to bounce the wave back and, and allow... RF the opportunity to freeze and get himself a lead so that if he's going to play these tanks, he can counteract the split pushers. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I think you you have to understand if you're our, uh, Renegades that you have to get him to a place where he's okay because he doesn't have to win you the game. Freeze will win you the game in the long run. Alex Itch can do some pretty awesome things in the long run. And, you know, some people didn't really like the way Remy played this week. I thought she played relatively well. I thought most of her bindings were on point. I thought most of her skill shots, you know, did what they needed to do. 
But if Legendary loses you the game, none of this matters. And in this game, he gave up two kills uh, within the first, you know, 10 minutes or so and fell more than two levels behind at one point. You know, you pointed out the first part of that, but it, it got worse one-on-one from there. And at that point, I don't care if Mundo's level six because Fiora's level eight, almost level nine, and she's going to win that duel regardless. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to focus everything on it all the time. At the very least, for the love of, you know, you cannot first pick Mundo. Like, there are other tanks out there, and they might not be as efficient, but Mundo's not as efficient as some of the other guys you could be picking. So if we're going to accept that already, get yourself some power picks on the board. Get some versatility in there as well, you know? I I found a lot of that draft against NRG in particular. Why are you picking Rise in the second rotation when you've already locked in Mundo? Obviously, Rise is going mid now. Now you've given them the ability to counter both mid and top lane, and you haven't even picked your bot lane yet. Because they're trying to protect the bot lane. That's that's the important thing, is they're trying to get their bot lane the best matchups as possible. And it shows. They have 100% first blood participation between the the, the trio that I mentioned on Renegades. Hmm. And Freeze has a 91% kill participation, with Remy at 87 yeah. That that's who they play through. They play through this bot lane and they're okay giving these counter picks, you know, giving the counter picks up because they think Alex is a wily enough veteran that he can get through it. And for people who didn't really pay attention to the early game, he was taking it to GBM. He was actually taking it to gam- to gank by mom's Ari. Like let's be very clear. He was beating Ari in lane with Rise, which should never happen even though GBM has some laning deficiencies. And they're doing what TSM has always done to Dyrus of throwing RF up there and going, you're not important. I, Survive. I, I get it. I, I get the kind of ideology behind it. In this specific example, I thought it was silly because the Callista had already been picked first rotation. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Freeze was going to suddenly be able to counter in, in round three what mm-hmm. he couldn't in round two. But on the other hand, I, you know, if you're going to play through your bot lane, your bot lane better be able to hard carry. And you better be able to have enough of a rotation and positioning game across the map so that you're able to take those towers down and let it scale into the hyper carry that you'd see a a Tristana or a Jinx or some of these other AD carries become at certain points throughout the game. And that I I haven't seen from them yet. If you're going to go that way, that's fine. But you better understand that AD carries have that power window because you can itemize against armor. You can come up with ways to kite and to get into the back line. And you better have the ability to take advantage of those power spikes when they come. And the roams are good, but the roams need to start equating into objectives. It needs to start giving them the opportunity to close games out and really secure definitive leads rather than having a game like Liquid where it just drags on and on and on and you give more and more opportunities for the other team to come back in. But looking at Renegade's week this week, they've got Dignitas, which we already talked about a bit, uh, but they also have Impulse. So really, this is kind of a week to to adjust and, and reframe their mentality. What do you expect from Renegade's this week? Do you expect them to try something new, or do you expect them to they, try they, to perfect they, what they have? Yeah, they absolutely should try something new, and uh, I, I would see, I would try and test out RF's champion pool. Try, try and just play a game against really bad competition 
and see if he can play a carry top laner. See if he can play a Fiora. See if he can play a Rai. See if he can play Gnar, Riven. <laughs> I, I don't know whoever. But try and play a composition where you are playing one of these very split-push style of meta and, and just see what he does. Because there's no way he's worse than Fang. Like, there's no way that your guys are going to lose this game. Unless Period and Proxen are just really, really good, and we're going to get, you know, our, our eye is blown back, and it's the new Faker Bengi lane. I, I don't know. I don't think so. So try something new. What's the worst that's going to happen? I agree. I, I think it's time to see what these guys can do, and, and, and play a little bit more with some of the roaming potential here. I like the fact that we're seeing Remy roam more than we used to see her do in the Challenger series. But now that you have that, let's try... You know, let's try sh- her doing some roams separate from Crumbs's roams. Right now, you've got this kind of unit all together on the map. But if they could put down multiple threats at the same time with some coordinated kind of roams, I think that could be really interesting as well. And it's the kind of thing that they're going to need to figure out. Because if you're going to be an LCS quality team, you need to have multiple ways to win. But Walter, I think that's enough preview time. I think it is time to start looking at the gambling lines. <laughs> Let's do it. So, first bet of the day, we are looking Impulse versus Cloud9. Uh, Walter, where do you think the line on this goes down? I know uh, we, it's like the one time we have to talk uh, about Impulse every week. Yeah, see, I'm waiting for like the, the casinos just to have gone just absolutely bonkers. So, I went Cloud9 minus 400. Okay, you and I split that one because we both said minus 400. Uh, it is minus 526 for Cloud9. Bunny Fufu being involved. No problem. They're they're happy to bet against impulse so, at this point. Is that actually confirmed? Confirmed? Because I haven't seen that confirmed anywhere. I've seen it on the Twitter sphere, and it seems to make sense. Like if you're gonna play Bunny Fufu at all this week, you would play him against Impulse. Okay. Because I went I went and like checked the fantasy website, and it said nothing about any roster. Like it didn't even mention like I will dominate, not playing type things. Like yeah, no, I'll, I'll put it like this. Um. I don't care. It doesn't matter whether yeah, no, 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 or not Bunny Fufu is playing. I don't, I don't, I don't Minus care. 526. I'm not taking impulse there. Uh, TSM versus Immortals. This should actually be a very interesting game. Two power. Well, one power and one still figuring it out that we didn't get to talk about this week too much. Uh, where do you think the line is here? Uh, so I think that the casinos didn't go too crazy on TSM not playing well in week one because they still are TSM. Mm-hmm. So I have Immortals minus 175. Okay, I got this one. You went more crazy than the casinos did. I said minus 150. It's minus 132. They're still fine with TSM, which I'm not sure I'm fine with. But, you know, know, they're just nicer odds for us. We might have to come back to that as a smart money bet. That's minus 132 is not bad. Uh, Team Liquid versus CLG. Obviously, we talked about CLG a lot today. Uh, Liquid. Not a very interesting kind of team, if you look at their two games. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the line is on this game? Uh, CLG minus 180. Okay, you get this one. I said Ooh. minus 190. It is minus 169. See, all we had to do was return to unicorn lines, and you'd bounce back. I knew it. This is uh, <laughs> or, or back to North America. Or back to North America. That's very fair. Uh, game four, Dignitas versus Renegades. Uh, obviously, we spent a lot of time talking about both of these teams. They each have 
their own strengths that I think they bring into this matchup. It's going to be a fun back and forth, if nothing else, to see uh, whether Dignitas with this new change in the top lane is going to you know, be able to take advantage of Legendary and, and how all of this bounces out. Walter, where do you think the line is? Uh, Dignitas minus 150. Okay, you're going to get this one. I I went too high. I said Dignitas minus 200. I really liked Dignitas last Ugh. week. I didn't care for Renegades. <laughs> Renegades favored minus 125. Hmm. Dignitas at minus 105 in that one. Hmm. That's unfortunate. Is it? Because we can I take thought... Dignitas minus 105 right now. Yeah, but I thought Dignitas was going to be favored and I was going to take Renegades. <sighs> That's true. It's it's really... It's, I mean, I'm surprised that Renegades are favored just because I'm, both yeah, of I'm these surprised. teams went one and one. And I felt like Renegades win over Liquid was a lot less convincing. But, you know, if you see a substitute coming in at the last second, uh, especially after how much they spent time building Smitty J up, at least in the public eye... I might be a little concerned as well, but it just seems like there hasn't been enough time since I was released for that to explain all of the shift. So very interesting, if nothing else. Uh, Energy versus Echo Fox. Uh, Again, two teams, newer teams that we didn't get to talk about too much today. Uh, Obviously, one of them looked a bit more impressive than the other when at full strength. Walter, where do you see the line here? Energy minus 350. Okay, I get this one. You went a little too high. I said minus two fifty. It is minus two sixty three. Nah, that's 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 too low. They've Echo mi- Fox is not a good team. It's just the idea of it's a best of one, and at any point, Froggen could go insane. That's that's a an impact is going to eat KFO alive. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying that I would ever take Echo Fox at plus one ninety five. I'm just I'm giving you the logic. And when they had to set the lines, they said. How close can we make this where people might still be tricked to trust Froggen on this? If anyone is tricked to gambling on Echo Fox, they, they shouldn't be gambling. Yeah, no, you would think it's uh, – you put them in the same category as people who would ever bet on Impulse. It's like I get, I get that at some point the numbers kind of look right, but it doesn't look right. It's never uh, – it's not a winning play. Uh, TSM versus Dignitas is the start day two. Uh, obviously, one team trying to figure out their identity, another team – it's putting it together bit by bit. Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? Uh, I have TSM minus 150. Okay, you get this one. Uh, I said minus 130 for, for TSM because I felt very good again about, uh, about Dignitas' performance last week. I did not feel great about TSM. TSM minus 278. What? No love for Dignitas at all. Just mm. apparently last week didn't happen. That's and that's uh that's interesting. I don't I mean I I guess your argument is Smitty J is not well I mean Smitty J is not there anymore. So it's like well Billy Boss I guess loses to Hanser. Do you really want Shifter versus Bjergsen? I mean I I get it when you break it down on an individual level. It just looked like Dignitas was so much more cohesive on a macro level. Yeah. It's a weird it's a weird line. Uh I'm telling you right now, Dignitas plus 200 against TSM is one of our smart money bets. That that has to be, doesn't it? At plus yeah. 200? We can yeah. put, we I, can put I, that one I, down I, now. I think so. I think that that is, but I kind of want to see the other ones. Okay. Well, we, we have four more to go before we have to lock that in for sure. Uh, NRG 
versus Immortals. Two guys at the top of the standings right now. Uh, the only two teams to go undefeated in North America. Walter, where is the line on this one? Immortals minus 145. I was afraid you were going to do that. You get this one as well. I'm now, uh, I'm now in a bit of trouble. I need to start winning some of these. I said minus 170. It is minus 154. Because NRG plus 120. That's... It's it's tempting. I don't think the gap between NRG and Immortals is as big as some people are making it out to be. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty close. But I think that you still have to give Immortals the edge just because of how good Hooney and Rainover have looked together. Oh, yeah. And Adrian has somehow managed to keep Poe Belter and Wild Turtle alive. I told you, man, games. in the previews, you didn't believe in you didn't believe me, but I, I'm a huge Adrian guy. I'm, I'm starting to believe in some player in, in. I'm starting to believe in some players more now than than I did in the in the off season. So. It's uh, it certainly does seem like you put in a lot of work to take that next step. And if his <laughs> if what he said about impulse being a much much worse practice environment is true, well then that could explain some things if nothing else. Uh, CLG versus Cloud Nine, a very interesting matchup. Uh, we do not know who will be the support for Cloud9 in this game. I really wish we did. Uh, in the meantime, I suppose you have to take that into account. Walter, where do you think the line is for this game? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty positive that High is going to be the one who's starting in this game. I, I can't see them after they started Bunny last week and, and failed miserably playing Bunny against anyone that's not like Echo Fox or TIP. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to say Cloud9 minus 170. Oh, thank you for doing that, because I needed to come back in this. I said Cloud9 minus 130, because I thought they might be a little bit scared. Please don't tell me that CLG is favored. CLG minus 137. Of course they're favored. Of course they're favored. (laughs) I mean, look, as we talked about earlier, in this meta, if ever you were going to favor CLG and just assume that he's going to carry the day, it's Darshan versus Balls. I get it. I get where the logic's coming from. Uh, no, no, I, I, I no, <laughs> no. Why no? Tell, explain. Give a little why, more detail. Why no? Because Cloud Nine is going to game. Has, everyone is. We talked about it earlier. Everybody knows what the game plan is now against CLG. It's go after Darshan. It's shut Darshan down and make Huey and Stixay beat you. And Huey and Stixay are not beating anybody in the LCS except maybe like Echo Fox and and Impulse. Mm-hmm. And Cloud9 is going to do that. I guarantee that Russian High will be living in Balls' lane. And they'll let Sneaky and they'll let Jensen just 1v1 the rest of the map. I No, CLG and, should not be favored in this game at all. I mean, that's the way I'd do it. It's hard to imagine that Lemon Nation, having played against a very similar CLG team, at least by design, at several points throughout his career, wouldn't be aware of it. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I agree with you. I think that Cloud9 should be the favorite here. But hey, that just means we get Cloud9 plus 105 in that game. I think that's probably very safe bet. Yeah, I think we it's can put that on our... Crazy. Yeah, we got uh, I, I'm going to mark that down. I think that's, that's fair. Uh, two more games left to see if okay. anything catches our mind. Echo Fox versus Team Liquid. Where do you think the line is on this game? Team Liquid minus 190. Okay, you get this one. And with that, the week. You finally get a week, Walter. Congratulations. Woo-hoo! Three to one. Points on the board. In the overall challenge. 
Uh, I went too low. I, I regretted it immediately. I said minus 150. I just didn't think Liquid did anything to, to make me feel confident in them. Uh, and especially, Echo Fox did? Well, it, like, we don't even know who's going to be playing for Liquid at this point. Like, we know Dardock's in now, but is you know is Matt playing over Smoothie? Apparently, we're not so convinced on Smoothie at this point, even though we spent a whole offseason hyping him up. We're going to get saying, Fabby. We're going to get Fabby this week instead. It's it literally anything is in play. So I would move the line closer for that reason. It is Liquid minus 217. So mm-hmm. that is a little, little high, considering we don't know much about the roster. Right. I'm just saying, you look at Echo Fox plus 165 and you say, huh. I'm not saying you take it, but you at least do a little huh. And a look at it. You look at it at least, you know, for a few seconds. You really got to the, take that the, one in. The problem with that is that you need Keith and Big to beat Piglet and whoever. Well, I didn't say I it was going to win. That. I just said you had to look at it. You know, like you had to. <laughs> That's right. Fair. I look at it and then remember, oh yeah, a season three world champion is on this team. Yeah. And playing against Keith McBreed. Piglet, secretly really good last week. For the record, I, I know people are. You know, constantly kind of pointing out how Liquid looked bad last Secretly week. Really, really good last summer. Piglet, really good when you look at the stats. It's 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 fair. Since Sa- spring playoffs, he's been amazing. Sadly, hasn't translated in the long run towards what Liquid's been going for. But, you know, Echo Fox, they should be able to handle that yeah. one. Uh, last up, Renegades versus Impulse. Real quick, where do you think the line is? Renegades minus 200. Okay, I get this one. Okay. I said minus 300. It's minus 278. So I kept it within one. Had we not tied on the Impulse Cloud Nine game, I would have been uh, I would have been in the clear. But that's how the lines break down. Uh, hopefully, oh wait, no, we got to do smart money bets. I almost I almost closed this thing out. I was ready to <laughs> move on with the next chapter of our lives, and we haven't even so, gone over our smart so money. So cl- Cloud Nine over CLG, straight up. Yeah, that's plus one of five. Dignitas plus two hundred over TSM. Yeah, the odds of that are really nice. Yeah, the odds are just too good to pass up. Do we want to just go full Dignitas and take a minus one hundred and five against Renegades? Yeah, I think so. I think bet on bet on Dignitas and 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 then uh, uh, Cloud Nine or CG. I think that's yeah. fair. Yep. Uh, I really like what Dignitas. Did. I never thought I'd be saying all these nice things over uh, over Dignitas, but at the very least, what we've done, Walter, is pick Dignitas against both of our favorite teams in North America. So either we win and we're awesome, or we reverse jinxed our teams to victory, and that's awesome. So really, we've won at the end of the day. <laughs> we're doubling down. We're doubling, doubling down. down. And, uh, and hopefully you guys feel like uh, winners after listening to this podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did like this, you should subscribe on SoundCloud.com slash EsportsRoughDrafts, or find us on Rough Drafts on iTunes, where the one with the Imperial Claw logo. We really got to get a logo for the podcast itself, Walter, because right now it's just my banner and my org, and that just doesn't seem fair. We got to <laughs> figure this out in the long run. But fair uh, enough. You can follow me on Twitter, at RedshirtKing. Walter, where can they find you? You guys can find me at Sadie's underscore LOL. You can find my written content at medium.com backslash slingshot dash esports. Perfect. And Please tune in next week. Uh, I believe we're going to have a really fun interview for you guys. Uh, otherwise, we at the very least, you know, Wednesday will be our week three preview for Europe. Friday, our week three preview for the uh, NALCS, as always. And until next time, goodbye, Internet.